count the number of times it is that you go back to that trash can. Amazing. I know for us, again, I shared the story, but it, it just has been amazing. I just recently moved the one in my front room. I moved it, and, of course, I keep going back. Not as often as I did the first phase of this a uh, long, long time ago, but I keep going back. Um, so let's move along then. Let's, we're going to bring um, our first guest, that we're gonna, first leading man that we're going to have on, and, and you guys stay with me tonight because I have yet to and continue to get them just kind of mixed up, and I and I figured out because they they both are G G J. first initial, last initial is the same, and so I thought, why do I keep getting these names mixed up? But we're gonna bring in Gregory. Um, we want to welcome Gregory Jones to the to the show tonight. Um, want to get as much in about this. We have some exciting things planned with Gregory going forward this year in April. We're going to actually bring Walking in Her Shoes uh, event conference slash walk to the Memphis area. April 18th is our target date. So we hope that, especially for our, our Memphis listeners, even those who are really close around and you want to make that that trip here so that maybe it's something that you can join with Gregory and do this in your area because, as you know, the domestic violence has no it is not prejudice. It has. It, it just has no target audience. It's, it's around. It exists everywhere. And more than likely, you know someone or have known someone that's very close to you that have experienced it. So without further ado, Gregory, if you'll just come on and tell our listeners as much about yourself as, as you'd like to, and then what we'll do is just kind of get into the questions that we have and then allow you to tell Exactly about the Walking in Her Shoes ministry, um, some of the history, and then what you have going in the future. So we'll get into that as we move through the show. And we, Friday and I just want to say thank you again for, for being a guest on the show. Hey, everybody. My name is Gregory Jones, and I first want to give praise and honor to God for allowing this uh, opportunity to happen. I uh, want to thank you, Ms. Uh, Gator, for giving me the opportunity to come on your show to talk about uh, walking in their shoes and the state of domestic violence in America. Rodney, it is good to uh, be on with you again and uh, look forward to more mentorship from you in the future. Uh, Walking in Their Shoes was established in 2011 after the uh, second murder of a relative of mine in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. She was murdered at the daycare center as she was dropping her children off uh, to the daycare. From that point on, at that second murder of a family member, I felt the need to stand up and take some kind of action in the fight against domestic violence. A lot of times when things don't affect us personally, we don't see what is going on outside that everybody else is being affected with until it actually hits us. So at that time, that next month, because she was murdered in April of 2011, that next month we uh, established Walking in Her Shoes, and what we are doing is going out, taking it to the streets. You know, we're bringing our awareness to the streets. We're having awareness walks, and we started – uh, motorcycle rides to bring awareness to domestic violence. Um, domestic violence, as Ms. Gator said in her introduction, this this is an epidemic that knows no 
boundaries. I mean, if you're rich, poor, black, white, Asian, uh, educated, uneducated, live in a nice neighborhood, poor neighborhood, it knows no boundaries. And it will either affect somebody that you know or somebody, you know, they'll know somebody who, who this epidemic is affecting. And it just doesn't affect women. It affects men also because they get killed from domestic violence too. Their numbers are just not accurately reported because a lot of times men are ashamed to admit that they're going through uh, this uh, ordeal. Wow, wow. I know we've had a, had a chance to talk about, um, I know when I when I initially connected with you, just to hear the number of, of people in your family that have been affected by um, domestic violence, to me, it, for such a time as this, I would say, like, you, you were the chosen one to start this ministry, and I do feel that it's going to go places and help people I've learned just a tremendous amount of information by going down to the Family Safety Center here when we talked about that. So for those of you in in Memphis area, we have the Family Safety Center, which is just a phenomenal one-stop shop or place, I would call it. Um, anyone who's going through it, and, and I'm going to try to refrain from, from what, just strictly saying women because I know men, um, go through it as well, but anyone who is going through domestic violence um, can go there and, I mean, with their children, they have a place for your children, they have police officers on site, separate department, but on the same floor, 17 officers there that just handle everything from A to Z. And so that is a way, there's so much information that we want to get out tonight, but that in itself is a way to connect or, or at least help people out who are going through it. So often, even when we come across, I just spoke with someone today whose girlfriend, a friend girl of hers, while we were on the phone, called, and husband was actually, she was trying to get away. She wanted somebody to come get her. And instantly what I thought about, Gregory, was, was the story you told me about the friend just happened, having, happened to be there taking her to the, to the grocery store and came back and then, he came over and killed both of them. You know, so we put ourselves in situations sometimes we don't even know um, that we're doing. So it's so many things that we want people to get away from get from tonight's show, but more importantly, what to do, how to get people the proper help and keep yourself safe as well. So I want to start out by giving the National Domestic Violence Hotline number out, which is 800-799-SAFE. That's 800-799-SAFE, which is 7233. And there is also a YWCA crisis hotline, local number for 901-725-4277. Again, 901-725-4277. And we'll give those out um, probably in the, we'll try to remember in the middle of the show, Rodney, if you'll help me remember that, and then at the end as well because um, – that's what it's all about, making sure that people who are going through this know what to do, uh, when to do, and how to do. So, Rodney, anything you want to add before we get into this? Um, before we get into it, um, I just want to give a shout-out to all of the callers, um, everyone listening online, because you all are amazing. We see so many of you out there. We know that there are a lot of things going on, and, and oftentimes people can – 
can find um, every excuse not to be a part of something that they need to be a part of or tune in to a show um, uh, l- like ours tonight. Um, so we want to thank you, thank you, thank you so much for, for giving us uh, part of your Monday nights. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And I have a question for uh, Gregory, um, if that's okay. Yes, sir. Um, what do you say to women? Um, and I noticed that I know that you say men as well. But what do you say to women who feel like they can't get out of an abusive situation or can't get away from uh, from an abusive man, whether it be um, you know they they say that because of their kids or um, say it's because of uh, financial reasons? What do you say to women who feel like they cannot get away from an abusive man? Well, to to clarify uh, that statement that I made, a lot of times uh, women will they're they're doing they're staying because they're protecting their loved ones. A lot of times people don't realize that because if when the man when she is saying, "Hey, I'm ready to go and I'm I'm ready to move forward, I'm ready to get out of this," a lot of the times the abuser is coming back with more threats. If you leave me, I'm going to kill your parents or or I'm going to kill our children or some loved ones. He's trying to make a bigger impact into this situation. But what I tell uh, the women who email me a lot of times or who will contact me through uh, my website, I will tell them that each state has a resource center and that they are specifically trained in these crisis situations that if they want to leave, that they can. However, a lot of the women in the back of their mind, they're saying, okay, I'm safe, but what about my mom or what about my other relative that my abuser has threatened? Well, those folks also have to be willing to take the first step in doing uh, the protocol to the uh, crisis into the area that they are from. There is help out there for them, but they have to be ready to take that first step in doing so. Another thing that I find very, to me, heartbreaking, I think, when we come to these situations, because we as a family, we want to protect our loved ones. So all we all we see is we're going to go after this person, we're going to get them, but sometimes we, you know, cool heads have to prevail. We have to look at this situation because, you know, going after them in that type of manner could put them in further jeopardy because it does nothing but fuel the fire of anger. So we as a family, one, we have to learn to stop blaming them and saying, well, why doesn't she just leave? A lot of times the family doesn't realize she's not leaving because she's protecting you. It's not that she doesn't have anywhere to go because nine times out of ten, there are a lot of families that say, hey, come on back. But what they don't realize is he is threatening everyone. And if he's sitting up there beating her and abusing her and the children and doing all these things, in their mind they're saying, well, yeah, he'll make good on that threat. And now I'm not going to have any parents or I'm not going to have a brother or I'm not going to have a loved one. And that's is what happens. 
And that is why a lot of the women sometimes decide to stay. It's it's sad, but it's true. They have to be tired of being tired sometimes before they make a move. Okay, that 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 that's some that's some uh, some really good information, uh, Greg. And I think that's something that a lot of times people uh, don't consider. They don't think about the big picture. They don't think about the other factors. Um, they just look at, you know, well, if 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 my if my sister or if my if my mom or if my cousin is in a is in an abusive relationship, I'm just going after that person. But they don't realize that there's more to it. Than just that, uh, Tim. You want to jump in real quick before I take this caller? I have a question um, that you made me think about as I was looking through some information last night. I know with homeless uh, women who are homeless that have sons, that depending on the age, I believe the sons are unable to go into certain shelters with their sons um, because of the gender, of course. Is that, do you know, and I could not find anything in my search, do you know if that is the same with domestic violence victims? Are they able to take their, their young sons regardless of age? Say if you have a 13-year-old son, are you able to go into a domestic violence center with your son? Well, as far as I know from all the research and, and reaching out to different uh, agencies throughout different states, um, it, it's deemed as a different situation. Uh, when you look at a homeless woman or a homeless family, they are they are in indeed in need of help, and, and no doubt that the situation that they're going through is sad. But nobody, uh, is, they're not in a threat. So therefore, a teenage boy uh, in that situation with a homeless family. He's considered like a young adult, so they're not going to put him into a shelter with women. On the domestic violence situation, it is being differently because now this 13-year-old child is a target. His life is in danger. So a lot of the cities throughout the years have gotten shelters where it is co-ed, where that the child can also, the male child can stay with their mother um, in these situations because he also is in danger, and nobody would want a child to be in danger. So a lot of the states have changed, or a lot of, I'm not going to say the states, a lot of agencies that are out there helping people have changed their guidelines and or they have built or bought other facilities to help uh, with uh, parents with young men. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to bring that up, and, and Ryan, we'll go check our caller as well, but I wanted to bring that up because some of the, the research that I did, I, re, I found out that the third leading cause, or domestic violence is the third leading cause of homelessness. So I thought, wow, because if that is the case, then we have another situation or maybe even another possible way or reason that a mother may not leave if, if her son, if she has a son who cannot so with her. So that's why I brought that up because I don't think we think of it in that sense of where 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 will we go and families who are listening, uh, friends who are listening, you know, we have to ask ourselves how when 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 we say why won't you leave, are we saying why won't you come here? 
are we saying, you know what I'm saying, are we extending, are we asking that question and offering help at the same time? I understand that it's, it's putting everybody's life in that situation, but before we ask why, let's say how. How can we help? How can we get you away even from the city, which is why I like what you're doing because you're trying to make it to where that victim can get out of the city, that state, if possible. So I love what you're doing yes. for that. Right. Yes, our future, one of our future endeavors that we want to do is we want to be able to acquire uh, safe houses for women and children. And when we say women and children, it doesn't matter if they're male, female, um, these children are in danger, and we want to acquire these safe houses. So basically how that would work is if we had a victim who reached out to us uh, in the future from Virginia, and she's willing to testify against her abuser, but her, her thought pattern is if I testify against him and he makes bail, he's going to come right here. So, therefore, I'm going to probably drop the charges. She's probably going to drop the charges because he's either going to sweet talk her or the threats are going to continue because we got to keep in mind it doesn't matter that they have uh, a restraining order. That's just a piece of paper. That does That does nothing. I mean, by the law, you know, he's not supposed to be within so many feet of uh, the victim, but we got to think reality. It's just a piece of paper, and it does not keep him from harming her. So what we want to do is if she's willing to enter into our program at Walking in Her Shoes, we would take her to a safe house out of the area, but she has to be willing not to be on social media, not to contact certain people, and the house would be under surveillance by the local police, and nobody knows where she is other than somebody from the prosecuting office. That way it gives her time to be able to gather her thoughts, and she's not being threatened. She's not being pressured. Her kids are not under pressure. To, and if she needs to bring other family members who have been threatened, like her mom or, or other family members, sister or whatever, then we will open the doors up for them to come too. Because that is a lot of the problem. They once these guys go to jail, they're they're out on three and five thousand dollars bail, but only ten percent of that has to be posted. So three to five hundred dollars after you have almost killed somebody by beating them down, you're out back on the street. That's that's not justice at all. And then everybody lose faith in the system that it's not gonna work for me. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. Um, let's go ahead and take that caller and see that. And, and thank you guys. Rodney just just informed me that we have just a whole group of callers, and that's off. That speaks volumes. Um, let's let's just make this work and take as much information um, in tonight so that we can take it out and, and make make some changes. Particularly starting with that law for for a three thousand five thousand dollar bond, that is that is crazy having to put three hundred or five hundred dollars down when you've just about killed someone. So right. Uh, we're going to take our caller from area code three four seven. Last four digits are four seven five six. Again, area code three four seven. Last four digits of your phone number are four seven five six. Caller, you are on air. Hi, uh, my name is Donald Jones. I'm calling in from New York, and I think uh, Walking in Their Shoes is a great program to start for people, but there's a lot of other things that we must also realize. 
Um, domestic violence comes from um, a long root of uh, abuse. I think a lot of children see it in the streets, and they grow up that way, and it, it just escalates on through their life. Um, we need to do more. I think Mr. Jones is doing a great thing with walking in our shoes. I think more people need to be aware of domestic violence because it's killing and hurting our people. And I just wanted to make that point. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, uh, Greg, anything? You want to jump in and and say anything? And he's right. Um, when, When children see this type of behavior when they're growing up, then it becomes a generational curse, per se. Uh, And a lot of the guys think that is the right thing to do and how they're supposed to treat women. And a lot of women think that it is, that is some sort of love. If they're not being abused or yelled at or, you know, being in a confrontation, they don't think that's love. What I believe has to happen, because domestic violence is truly one epidemic unlike cancer or HIV or anything else that is curable. And in order to get the cure for this, we have to change a mindset. We have to change the mindset of men that these are not our property. Women are not our property. They're not our thing. They are human beings with feelings, and they need to be treated with the uttermost respect. And women, and, and when we try to change the mindset of women, we need to make women realize that their worth is much more valuable than what is being shown to them and that what they're going through is not love. It's anger. It's hatred. It's mean-spirited, and that is not love. And so when we go forth in trying to change these things, we have to change the mindset first. Okay. Well said, Mr. Jones. I want to share something with the kids, and I'll be real brief. And I've mentioned this on the show before, but in in working in North Carolina in the school system there, I I will never forget this young man. We call he was labeled the headbanger, and he so so bad so badly so that he had to wear a helmet to school. He was fourth grade when I started at the school, and that entire year wore a, a helmet. He was in a behavior class, not because he was um, had a behavior problem, but really because they didn't know what to do with him because he would he would bang his head again to the point where he had to permanently wear that um, helmet. So fast forward the fifth grade year, still in the behavior class with a new counselor for that year um, who had to come out and do periodically, you know, the assessment. Well, during this period, this counselor realized that, and, and he had a male, this year he had a male teacher, so that could have been the difference. But this year, this fifth grade year, he had a male teacher. Well, any time this male teacher, what the counselor started to recognize was any time this male teacher looked as if he was getting angry or, or changing his tone, that this young man would go over to the wall and begin to bang his head on the wall. And so she started to notice that, and she dug a little deeper. And what she found out, that his mom was being severely abused at home, and the way that he was able to block that out was to 
positioned himself in between the bed, his bed and his wall, and banged his head. And I often wonder, I get chills talking about it now, where is this young man and what is his life like? So well, this problem is deeper than just what we see, the bruises that go away. It is so much deeper. Right. It, it's um, in, in those situations, a lot of times the schools don't know what to do because they don't have they don't have uh, counselors who are are you know ready to accept those situations. So what they do is they pra- pass them off as children with uh, learning disabilities, or they're mislabeling the child instead of helping or getting the child proper help. And it does, it, and it doesn't do the child any good for the future because all these years he's been mislabeled as as being a child that had learning disabilities or whatever, and in all actuality, this is a child that's being abused. So another thing that, you know, if we're going to change a mindset or if we're going to change a culture, then the schools have to come on board, too, with uh, certified counselors that are able to help children with this and not just label them or pass them along or get them out of the way because they really need help. Okay. Uh, Carla, did you have anything else? No, I didn't. Uh, it was very enlightening and very uh, educational to hear what Mr. Jones had to say tonight. I thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me speak. Thank you. Not a problem. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll stay on with us. Thank you. Uh, Greg, this is Rodney again. Um Sticking with the whole, um, you know, the, the, the culture and the family, um, I've heard people say that men should not uh, spank their daughters because uh, it will give their uh, their daughters the impression or their, grow, their daughters will grow up thinking that it is okay for a man to hit on them. What do you say about that? I don't agree to that. Um when children are brought up in a loving home, they truly know the difference between somebody abusing them and somebody giving them proper discipline to correct an action. Now, me personally, I'm not the big disciplinarian person in the household. Uh, That goes with my children's mom. But at the same time, you can discipline a child and not give them the impression that they're being abused. You need to talk to the child. You need to let the child know why they're, you know, getting uh, a time out or getting a spanking or, or what have you. Because there are some situations that arise, too, uh, that the child may need a spanking. You can't just go to school smacking kids and, and knocking kids out or acting up on the bus and think there's not going to be repercussions. That's when we have children that run them up and, and they're not, you know, good for society if this type of behavior is allowed to continue. So I don't agree with that. It's just the way. I mean, you're, if you're a big guy, of course you're not going to beat them down like there's somebody, a stranger on the street, but there are ways to, you know, spank your child without them feeling like they're being abused. So I don't, I don't agree with that. Okay, okay. Um, again, if you are listening, uh, this is the Butterfly Evolution Show. We have Mr. Gregory Jones on, who is the the founder of Walking in Her Shoes. 
which he established um, shortly after uh, a second family member, um, a second relative of his, uh, was was killed uh, as a result of domestic violence. So um, if you have any questions or comments about anything that we're talking about, anything related to uh, domestic violence, um, please feel free to uh, to ask a question or jump in the conversation. Uh, we do keep everyone anonymous here on the Butterfly Evolution Show, so you don't ever have to worry about your identity unless you choose to give it out yourself or you give us permission to do so. Um, any information, uh, real quick, uh, Gregory, before I ask my next question, any 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 information that you would like to give out, um, uh, hotline number, um, your personal information, uh, real quick, because we've had a, we've had um, several people to call in after the uh, beginning of the show. So go ahead and do that for us if you don't mind. Yes, if if people want to get more information about uh, my program, uh, they can go to www.walkinginhershoes.org. And on our website, if they click on the national hotline, that will give the number to every state resource in our nation to include uh, Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the uh, Virgin Islands. So they can go on there and they can click on that and they can get the number to their resource out there. Um, our email address is walkinginhershoes at gmail.com. And if you have any questions or, or what have you, feel free to email me, and I will graciously answer the question. If I personally don't know, within 24 hours I will have you an answer uh, from a resource that I have, and I will get you the answer. Okay. Thank you so much for that information, Greg. Um, what did you say when – when women feel like they are actually um, in love or they feel like the man um, hits on them, knocks them out, you know, hits them upside the head, throws things at them, what do you say to the women who believe that is love? What do you say to them? Well, like I said uh, before, nine times out of ten when they think that way, they have grown up in that type of environment. So what we want to go back to, if we're going to change a culture, we have to change a mindset. So we want to let these ladies know that that is not love, that is not any way to treat a person, and that their worth, their self-worth is, is worth much more than, and than how they're being treated. A lot of times we can't, if you look at this analogy, you know, you, you have uh, some women that uh, a lot of guys say, well, you know, I'm a nice guy. She dumped me. She didn't She didn't want me, you know, and I never did anything to her. I treated her good. Well, that's not what she's used to. And I'm not saying that it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And when you're used to a certain culture, when you're used to being in a certain environment, then sometimes that is what you're attracted to. And if we can, for the women who reach out to us who want help, we want to let them know that that is not the right behavior, that is not the type of man that they want in their life. And if they have children, that is not 
definitely not the type of man they want to bring into their family setting. Okay. Well, I, uh, I want to give out a little bit of uh, some, some statistics that I found very interesting, and, and maybe I'd like both of you to, to kind of tell me what you think about this. But women, it's, the statistics are women ages 20 to 24 are at the greatest risk of becoming victims of domestic violence and more than 4 million women experience physical assault and rape by their partners, and then one in three female homicide victims are murdered by their current or former partner every year. And those are the, the Department of, the Bureau of Justice have not released the uh, findings for 2014 as of yet. But I will tell you, on the national average, three women per day die from domestic violence. Three women per day. So if we just take that and take that times 365 days, that's 1,095 lives that were taken for absolutely no reason other than some man or, or some woman in some cases felt that they cannot control this person, so I'm just going to take their life. Totally unacceptable. As my slogan says, no one has the right to love you to death. No one. No one has the right to love you to death. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what you're going through. You're going to argue. You're going to get mad. Those, those are natural things that humans go to. But when you go to take someone's life, there is no take two. There is no cut, action, let's take two. Once that life is gone, it is gone. And we don't have a right to do that. I hate to say this like this, so please don't nobody out there take me wrong. Even if she or he is out there cheating, it still doesn't give you the right to take their life. There are ways through the court systems if you're married, if you don't want to be bothered with them no more to dissolve your marriage or there are counselors out there to give you help, but you don't have the right to take that person's life. So those statistics are very high, and the, the scary situation about those statistics I guarantee you when the Bureau of Justice releases their report for 2014, those numbers are going to be even higher. Okay. Um, I think uh, going back to uh, something that you just said, uh, Greg, um, a lot of times, you know, we, we associate, uh, you know, the, these ego problems, I guess they they, they are, um, with with the men. Um you know, and men can go out and cheat on women uh, every single day. They can have a girlfriend, they can have a wife, whoever, and they can go out and sleep with as many people as they would like, and they don't see anything wrong with it. But the moment they find out that woman is doing the same thing, or she doesn't even have to have multiple partners, she can just have one. She can look at a guy a certain way, or or he may find out that she's talking to someone, and all of a sudden that man gets jealous, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. If if you can't take, even if it's cheating, if you can't take something that somebody 
has done to you, then you need to find other alternatives and get get away from that situation, not hang around until somebody gets hurt. Right. That, it, most certainly. You cannot, because a lot of times it is a man's ego. Oh, I can't believe she cheated on me, but he's not telling. If you're going to tell the story, as my granddaddy always used to say, you got to tell the whole story. You got to tell that you done cheated on this woman 50,000 times, 50, you know, million times. You done threw different women in her face. She done found evidence. Okay. Now she decides, I'm not going to take this no more. I'm ready to go or I'm ready to move on with somebody else. And it's an ego thing. I can't believe she did this. I don't care what the situation is. And some situations get bad. So sometimes you just need to separate yourself. But you just don't have the right to harm or kill anybody. You know, mm-hmm. there are just avenues. And that's where that mindset comes. Men have to be taught. Men have to be taught that times like these, you just put your cap on, get your keys, go for a walk, go to the gym, go for a ride, do something. But at the end of the day, when you do that, you have another opportunity to fix the situation. When you kill somebody, that opportunity is gone. And now you have ruined the family of the victim. You have ruined your family. And you have ruined your own life. And then a lot of times with the murder-suicide situation, instantly, children have no parents. We're going to bring in another caller, uh, Gregory, uh, from uh, 866-7976. Caller, you are on the air. Okay, I don't think that was a caller, but okay. Um, Tammy, do you have anything real quick? Uh, because I do have another question. Do you have anything real quick? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll follow you, I'll follow you after that question. Okay. Um, we won't spend a whole lot, a whole, I won't spend a whole lot of time getting into this situation, but we all know the 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 whole Ray Rice situation and how domestic violence kind of, not just Ray Rice, he was just, I guess, the the – um, the face of the whole thing, but there were a number of other cases of domestic violence. And so my question to you, Greg, is how do you think um, companies, businesses, organizations should handle uh, domestic violence cases? So if one of their employees, I don't care if it's as big as the NFL, I don't care if it's, you know, a fast food restaurant, how do you think employers <laughs> – handle cases of domestic violence when it comes to their employees. And the reason why I ask that question is this. Um, Ray Rice, in his situation, was never charged. And at the time, he got involved into, you know, he got into it with his, at the time, fiance, who then turned and um, turned around and married him after the incident. So how should, and, and we know that Ray Rice, lost a whole season of football. He's been suspended indefinitely, uh, so he missed a whole season. But was the NFL right in the way that they handled it by giving him a two-game suspension and then coming back and saying, no, you're just done, um, considering the fact that there were never charges pressed, and then this woman turned around and married him? Was the NFL correct in 
how should businesses handle this uh, moving forward? Okay, first I want to be clear. I don't know Ray Rice uh, or his wife, but as I'm looking at the tape that was further revealed, the whole lymph tape that was further revealed by everybody, Mr. Rice was a little bit too comfortable in flinging that arm and knocking her out. That's what it looked like to me. Not only was he really comfortable in doing so, he had no emotion or feeling when he dragged her up out of the elevator and just threw her there on the ground. It was other people who had more compassion for her than he did. And I get you know, and I got it. He was upset about whatever. But in my opinion, like I said, I don't know Mr. Wright, but in my opinion, looking at that, that was not the first time that happened. He was way too lax. Now, to your second point, how should industry and different companies handle domestic violence? They should handle it according to the law. And in the Ray Rice situation, they clearly did not investigate that enough because what they did was they gave him a two-game suspension and thought, okay, this is going to go away. Let's keep moving on. But then the tape came out. The whole length tape came out. And now you want to go back and say, well, we're going to suspend him for the whole entire season. I didn't. I don't agree with what he did, but then I don't agree with giving him a punishment and then turning around and giving him another punishment because you failed to look at the whole totality of the situation. So in that aspect, they failed his wife because they should have looked at it. Now, I got it. Football, basketball, and all that is a big industry. A lot of money coming in and out of there. But you're going to lose your support, and you're going to lose that money base when you don't handle these situations accordingly. You have got to handle them accordingly. And, you know, if you're going to, if the, for the player, he needs to think. He really needs to think that every day that I'm out here, they need to think like a camera is on me 24-7. You see what I'm saying? Um, I do. These public, these public figures, when they're out here like the politicians and, and they make these quotes, they need to think like somebody has a microphone on me 24-7. So if we took that attitude, then a lot of these cases would come down in the NFL um, or just in broad in general. And, um, and, and that, that's how I think. I think they handled it wrong, but they need to handle it according to the law. And if that means suspending one of their best players, oh, well, he's got to go. A lot of times we don't see that, though. Um, I think that in, in a situation like this, I mean, you even saw women um, after the suspension came down. You saw uh, women uh, show up to the Ravens next, uh, the Baltimore Ravens next um, football game, you know, with their Ray Rice jerseys on and, and showing their support. Um, but I think that one thing that we, that, that we have to be clear on is this. When it comes to any business, and, and this is very unfortunate, businesses do what is going to make their business thrive. What Whoever is at the top, what's going to put money in their pocket? And I think that originally they were hoping that this would just be swept under the rug, and that's why, you know, it was 
well, this person is, is selling tickets. You know, this this person is part of the reason why this team is 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 as good as they are. And so, I think that that had a lot to do with why he was only given a two game sentence um, in the beginning. And I agree with everything yeah. you said. I you know. Yeah, it was the reason because he was a ticket seller. He was a money maker, and they did not, or they chose. I don't believe that uh, the commissioner of the NFL. I I cannot believe him when he said he did because it was said by the police department that that tape was sent to them. So I don't believe him when he says he didn't know the severity of everything that happened. I just don't believe it. I think he thought this is not going to get any bigger. It's a incident. We'll talk about it on the Friday night news uh, blog, and it'll be over by Monday. But it wasn't. It got bigger. And unfortunately, not saying Ray Rice is a bad guy or whatever, but that situation happened, and to me, it just looked like he was a little bit too comfortable. Um, yeah. So it just looked like he was you a little guys, bit too this, comfortable. This is, but, this is Tammy. I want to jump in here for a second because as you bring that, that – that subject up, particularly about what the businesses should do, um, I'm going to turn it back. What should leaders, churches, particularly our churches, our spiritual um, foundation, so to speak, because I find even even more, um, even after my meeting last week at the Family Safety Center, the churches try to hide it more than the world does. And it's known that one out of every ten women within the church um, are abused as well. So if if we can't get change there, uh, we should be the foundation of change. And when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about because that is the foundation of getting it back, even as we speak about leaders and having the leading men month for January and February. Our desire here is to put men back in the forefront, going back to Scripture where it tells the sons, to hear the instructions of thy father, to hear that. And from, in my opinion, there's not enough instructions going out so that those young boys can grow up as men knowing I don't have to, and not giving anybody an out because no one has the right, as you say, to love you to death. But the, the, I think our first caller hit on this when he says the, the problem is so much deeper and, and it's increasing because the economy um I don't want to say the economy is like it is. We are in this situation because the society has made it this way. We we bought into the system as well. So now you have people who are men who are feeling more angry, and again, not giving anyone an out, but they are feeling more angry because as, as a man, now I really can't take care of my family. I really can't do this. And I know that's not always, you know, the reason why. Yes, some of them get get the abusing because, of cheating or, or whatever, but there's a, like said, there's a great number of people, men, who are just simply angry and don't know what to do with it. And so it's got to be some kind of unity as we talk about leading men. So my hope is that all of you leading men who are on this show for January and February, do something. I don't know what, I don't have the solution, but do something because our 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 generation, our people, our children for sure, they're not they're dying. They're dying right. by the numbers. Not even to death. I mean they are walking dead people. They are the walking dead. That's why they can they can they're just becoming numb as it relates to life. So I say Correct. accordingly 
what do we do? I mean, what can we do? We, we want to give out the site again. What are some of the things that we can do? I say for you people here in Memphis, first of all, support support this ministry coming here, this mission coming here. April 18th, support it. If you can't be here, contact Gregory and purchase a shirt so that he could bring some shirts here for those people who maybe cannot buy one. Change, change the laws. Let no no person again abuse someone and only have a $5,000 bond. This is what we need to be doing. These are the things that we should be making sure we're putting those people into office and that these are some of the laws that we want enforced or changed. Correct. And, Ms. Ms. Gator, before, you know, my hour is, is going by, can we get uh, maybe another caller or two in to uh, ask their question? Let's see if we have any out here that are, because if not, Ryan, i got a ton of questions for you. Uh, we we have a we have a caller right now. We'll pull the caller in. Uh, caller from area code six seven eight. Last four digits are nine seven five nine. Caller, you are on the air. Hello, Sammy. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on, Rodney? What's going on, Sammy? Hey, hey, hey this all like, this all like my main man. Yeah, this is Bo. What's happening, Bo? What's going on, man? Not much, man. What, what you got for the people, man? What you got? What you got for our special guest, uh, Mr. Gregory Jones? Mr. Jones, I'm really, really, really uh, impressed with some of the things that you've said. I've been sitting here listening from the gate, and um, I, I agree with you 100. percent You know, what I'm saying there is a need to uh, stop the domestic violence. You know, not only in women but in men also. Because you got some women out there that are beat men too. Um, with my sister Tammy, you know, I, I've been discussing with her some things, and um, we're trying to to put into the action uh, to actually try to help kids at a younger state, uh, because I'm a firm believer that things happen early on in life with acceptance. You know, if you start to accept things when you're uh, a teenager or when you're uh, a young adult, then when you get older, that acceptance becomes relevant in your life and you feel you get comfortable in that. You know what I'm saying? Before a woman was right. battered, she accepted being called it called the B word or she the the H word or uh the new word they use doc. You know what I'm saying? They they're accepting this at a young age. You know what I'm saying? So when they grow up and they have that person that's beating on them or disrespecting them it's because they grew up into that. The choice that they made to accept that at a young age linger over into their adulthood life. What we're trying to do right. here now is we're trying to change the way the young kids think by showing them that it's not right, by showing them right. the outcome of what's going to happen through, you know, the variation of their their thought patterns or their ways or the things that they let progress from one stage to another, you know. Right. Um, and that's basically... And, and, and you're absolutely correct. We... As and this is why I, I tell a lot of fathers, don't be no baby daddy. That's not your title. You are you are not no baby daddy. You are a father of children, of of young men and young women. And we need to as fathers 
and 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 grandfathers because grandparenthood is becoming younger and young. So we need to, you know, instill into our daughters and into our sons what right looks like. You're absolutely correct because if they don't know what right looks like, then how are they going to go forth and bring right into their situation? A lot of kids, you could tell a kid 50 million things, but guess what that kid is doing? He's not listening to what you're saying. He's looking at what you're doing. It's a big difference. You can talk all day long about a situation, but if you're not walking that walk with your life, then that child is going to emulate the things that you do and not what you say. I agree. We definitely need mentors in our homes. We need them in our communities, and we need them in our schools. And uh, this is Rodney. Tammy, will you um, give out that uh, domestic abuse uh, hotline number again? Personally, it is for the local message number. It's 901-725-4277. Again, 901-725-4277. The toll-free number, the 800 number is 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E, or 1-800-799-7233. Okay. Uh, really quickly, we're going to pull in another caller from area code 901, and the last four digits are 3521. Caller, you are on the air. Yes, you all may have already discussed this, and I didn't hear it, but I have two questions. I'm interested in, is there any correlation at all that you found in, uh, Mr. Jones, between family structure as far as relationships within family of men and women to different family members and those who practice are more prone to practice domestic violence? And the second question is, is there are there certain personality types or that, you, that a woman might be able to kind of recognize this at an early stage in the relationship. Thank you. Well, in, in when we talk about family structure, and, and we did hit on this earlier, um, when we talk about family structure, if that sense of value and moral is not instilled into the children from a young age all the way up through their teenage years and into their young adulthood years, then at times, you know, it tends to uh, manifest itself into their relationships as they grow older. Um, when we talk about values and morals, we're, I mean, People, a lot of people want to tend to say, well, you know, if God is in the situation, and trust me, I believe in God 110%. But there are some people who don't believe in God. So you say, what do you say to those folks? What I say to those folks who don't believe in God and then in the morals and values, you know, in their, their lifestyle, you've got to believe in what's right and what's wrong. You know it's not right to beat on somebody. You know it's not right to kill them. So I dismiss that fact when people say, well, there was no God in their life. And I got it because I, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I got it. But there are millions of people out there who are atheists and they just don't believe in the Christian way or a higher power in guiding them into doing right. 
but we have to still instill into them in our societal roles to say what's right and what's wrong. So in that situation, you know, it, it just really depends on the, the structure of the family, how these children are being raised. And once again, they're looking at their example instead of listening to what you say. So then you say are their personalities more prone to uh, commit domestic violence? That is a question for all the ages, okay? Everybody has a different personality, and in the best of us, there is some bad. And in the worst of us, there is some good. So it's very hard to say who will strike and be you know, one of those people who commit domestic violence or if, you know, it's just very hard to say. Now, if someone has, there are bona fide uh, mental issues out there, and so we can't just say, well, he's crazy or she's crazy and she's going to do this or do that. We don't know that because there are some people with some titles that you really wouldn't think that. And guess what? They commit domestic violence. Right. Some of those titles are preacher police officer, congressman, teacher, and you say, wow, I thought they were upstanding citizens. Well, guess what? Hate to burst the bubble, but those folks with those good titles commit commit crimes too. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you, Carlos. Before we end, and I want to make sure um, – Gary, if you're out there, go ahead and select the number one. But I do want to give out, and I want to make sure that you give out the website again, Gregory, before we disconnect, um, how they can contact you and so forth. But I want to go over because um, as our last caller brought up, I believe there are signs, in most cases, there are signs before there is that uh, contact, that, that point of contact, meaning the abuse itself. And I, I feel like we all, women and men, kind of look over some things that have taken place prior to for whatever reason. But I wanted to go over just a few that I found in my research. Um, accuses you of cheating and being disloyal, makes you feel worthless, hurt you by hitting, choking, or kicking you, intimidate or threaten to hurt you or someone you love, which is what Gregory mentioned earlier, threaten to hurt themselves, if they don't get what they want. Try to control what you do and who who you see. Isolate you, which is the same thing. Pressure or force you into unwanted sex. Control your access your access to money. Stop you, including calling you constantly or following you. Um, and again, this, these are things that kind of maybe happen before there is that point of contact or that direct abuse. And I'd like to say for anybody who is in it, man or woman, the most, um, I'm all for babies. I'm all for the kids because we are to set that role for their journey, to set that road. So an important question is what's your why? What is your why? And if you are not your why, then please let your children be. Because if you think that just because you're the one taking the licks, that you're the one being abused, that it does not affect your children, I take you back. I hope everybody heard the story of the headbanger. 
and imagine what his life is going to be like. Is life. So if you're not your why, then make sure that you're not allowing or giving your children the platform to walk in your shoes. That you're not that you make sure that you're not making sure that they walk in your shoes by accepting abuse when they grow up. And get out and do something. And for our people who ask that question, well, why don't you leave or why didn't you leave, ask yourself, why did you say why instead of how and what can I do? And be willing to do it. Because it's, it's much bigger than the bruises, that we see, the, the, bruises, the bruises that we see outwardly. It is much deeper. They go away. And you think about the lives that are taken. Mothers and fathers, as, as Gregory said, mothers and fathers. So now we have kids who now don't have to deal with mom or dad. Mom, mom killed my dad or dad killed my mom. They're both gone. Where does that leave them? So I'll turn it back over to you guys. Well, I, I want to first say that I, once again, I am very, I know because Mr. Uh, Gary Jefferson will be coming on next, and I just want to, you know, real quick thank everybody uh, for the support, for listening in. I want everybody to know that when you see these signs, when you see these signs of abuse, talk to people. Don't Don't talk about them. Talk to them. Ask them what is it that you can do to help them. There are so many numbers out there, so many resources like we talked about at the beginning of the show that you can call in anonymous to get people help. But the other important thing, that victims must be ready. They must be tired of being tired of being tired until they are ready to get help. Because you, unfortunately, you can't force anybody to get help like we want to. And so what I'm saying is look for the signs they're out there, and help your loved one. Don't don't talk about them. Help them. And because this thing is real. Domestic violence is real. It happened in our family in 1991 uh, when uh, our cousin Von Zell was killed in a murder-suicide, and they left three children behind. Then once again in 2011 when cousin Tasha was killed, and then she wasn't a relative, but she was everybody's family because we grew up with her. And in 2012, Royale uh, Harvey was killed um, by her husband. So this thing is real. And if we think it, it, it could not affect us, think again, because it can. And always remember, no one has the right to love you to death. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And did, you did get out the website, right? Yes. And our, our website out there, once again, is walkinginhershoes.org, walkinginhershoes.org, and our email address is walkinginhershoes at gmail.com, and uh, we have, you know, we're available all the time, and our toll-free number is 844-334-WIHS. That's 844-344-WIHS. Nine four four seven, and you can call us or get in touch with us twenty four hours a day. 
Thank you so much. Wonderful, wonderful show. Thank you. And again, you guys, we're going to be here. Um, Gregory will be here walking in her shoes. The event and the walk is April 18th. Um, so stay tuned. We'll create, well, actually, we've created the event page on Facebook, but it will be posted on both websites, mine and Gregory's. And then we will update all of all of the sites and the event page as we work through, you know, there's a number of things that we have to do to, to make sure that it's a, it's a success and that we properly or we follow to the order, I guess, because of the permits and things like that. So we're working on that. If you want to volunteer, have something to add, please contact either one of us, and we'll be glad to, to get you involved. So thank you all for that, and thank you, Gregory, for, for what you do. Yes. And thank you for having me. And everybody, have a blessed evening. I'll be staying on on the line, uh, listening in to Mr. Gary Jefferson. And at the conclusion of the show, if anybody else has any questions, they can reach out to me. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, what we'll do, um, let's see here. Let's take a small little break. To, uh, Gary, Gary, I know that you're out there, but for some reason, you are not showing up in, in queue with us. So um, make sure that you did select the number one. I do not see the number in queue. Uh, Rod- Rodney, am I missing something there? Because I think we pulled in everybody. Um, the only one yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see his number in queue. Um, I just spoke with him, and he gave me the number that he was calling from. So I just want to make sure, uh, Gary, I know that you're out there because I could hear us in the background, but, but maybe maybe hang up and call back in and select the number one because it's not showing up on our end. And so what we'll do is just take a quick little break, um, giving him time to call in, you guys. And what I'd like to do during that time is just um, for you message people, I am sharing this word. We have a red and white um, love affair pre-Valentine's ball, Saturday, February 7th, 2015. 7.30 p.m. at the First Memphis Plaza. That is at 4466 Elvis Presley Boulevard, Memphis, Tennessee, 38116. Again, this is a red and white love affair. Um, February 7, 2015 at 7.30 p.m. And I'll give a number out for you guys to contact someone if you are interested. 901-690-6232. Again, 901-690-6232, and that is Mr. Davis um, is a contact person, and it's $25 per person or $40 per couple, dinner included, cash bar. So uh, a red and white love affair. So if you are in love or trying to be, there you go. We'll keep announcing it as we move forward on Monday nights just to support, show our support there. So let's see if we have, and what I may do is just I think we have them, You think we have them? Okay. Uh, we'll see if this is him. Uh, uh, let's see if this is Mr. Gary Jefferson. Is that you? Hello? Hey, is this Gary? Is this Gary? Yes. Hey, welcome to the Butterfly Evolution Show. Oh, hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me well, now? Uh, we- we can hear you. <laughs> okay. I am so sorry. What happened is I called in. I'm at my office, so I called in on my office phone, 
but that goes through a switchboard, so maybe that is where some of the complications came at. That must have been the uh, 866 number I tried to pull in earlier. Right, right, right. But you can hear me pretty good now? Uh, We can hear you very well. Great. Outstanding. All right. All right. Why don't you go ahead... um, why don't you go ahead and tell the people um, who you are and uh, what it is that you do um, and give them any information about you, um, anything you want to give out, uh, phone numbers, website, uh, email addresses, any information that you like, uh, but just give them a, uh, uh, some background information about yourself. Oh, okay, well, obviously everyone knows my name is Gary Jefferson because of the complexities that I've had uh, calling into the phone line. And my apology, uh, I am a, I am an author, and I wrote a book. This is my second uh, novel. The name of it is Backstreet to Happy. And what motivated me to write this novel was that my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, it had a devastating impact on her health, her self-esteem, and her energy. Uh, it was just so horrific to see such an energetic person uh, suffer from such a disease. So from her experiences, uh, she and I were very close. Uh, I was motivated to write my second book, uh, Back Street to Happy. It is a novel. Uh, it is fiction. And what, what I want people to get out of this novel is a, a few things. Uh, I, I want people to really, I want us to celebrate the advancements that have been made in medicine, especially the uh, diagnosis, the prognosis, and the treatment of breast cancer. Um, I want to encourage people to please, please, please take advantage of Obamacare. I mean, it is such an outstanding benefit that we have in um, in in this particular uh, in our in our lifetime. I mean, we've never had anything like affordable health care for people who cannot afford it. And the other thing I really want to encourage, especially African-Americans, is really to go and get your routine mammograms, your colonoscopies, your physicals, uh, because early detection of really any disease is very important. Uh, most diseases, I, I guarantee you, I, I was talking with some of my um, physician friends and they were just very enthusiastic and very just excited about the advancements of medicine. Um, and they were saying, they, they stated that, hey, most diseases, if we can't beat them, we sure can treat them, especially if we catch them in the early stages of, uh, of the development of these diseases. So about my book, Again, my second novel, the name of it is Backstreet to Happy. Uh, it is a fiction novel. Uh takes place in an urban environment. Uh, just a, a quick uh, synopsis of the novel is um, 
a lady, uh, a middle-aged lady in the prime of her life, really fell breast cancer. Uh, once her husband, once, once he finds out about it, he says, hey, that is your disease. You brought that on yourself. I am out of here. So he abandons her. He, and really, he does it out of fear. He does it out of fear and does it out of selfishness because he doesn't want to see uh, his pride and joy, his wife lose her beautiful long hair, uh, his wife uh, become ill, uh, lose her uh, shapely figure. So part of it was out of selfishness. So he abandons her. But the book celebrates early detection of diseases because she caught this disease early. It celebrates the advancement in medicine. She was able to beat this disease. And guess what? Uh, through chemotherapy, a couple of operations, she was restored to her pristine original self. And then after that, he said, you know what? Uh, I want you back. So the book also celebrates Gary, the gift. You know, Gary, yes. you're giving far too much of this book. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said you're giving far too much of this book away. Oh, okay. I will stop right there. I will stop right there. Okay, but I, anyway, uh, you can go to my website. Gary, do this for me if you could. It, it sounds like we're getting a little bit of feedback. Do you also have the Internet up and running? Are you listening to the show by Internet as well? Um, I am. Uh, I can shut down. Hold up. Yeah, do that because it's giving just a little okay. bit on my end, so it may it may be going across. Um, you know, across. Okay. Okay, that's that's better. So yeah, give your website out, account, and then I want to ask just a few questions without giving away so much of the book. More so geared towards the leading process of it and the title and some other things about your system. Okay, okay, but let, let me give them the website. The website to go to is happybatstreet.com, and you can read about it, and you can order a book and all that good stuff. So, okay. Okay. All right, I have a question. Right. I, number one, this is my, you guys, this is my first, I was sharing with uh, David, this is my first fictional book that I've read. I'm more so the... Um, I guess the uh, books that kind of help your mindset, help change your life. So this is my first, and it is fabulous. As I read it, even just the introduction part, I'm like, I could really see this in a movie. It becomes front screen to you. It just seems like, okay, let me just put the book down and, and order this movie. That's how, how great wow. it is. And wow. read it, I'm thinking, how does one flip back and forth? How does one, and I guess you just have to be an author, this kind of author, to do this? Because I'm thinking, how did you how did you create these different things and, and bring this all to life? But it really is like watching a movie. Reading it is like watching a movie. So I don't know if that's a fictional thing, if that's what fictional books do to you. I don't know because this is my first one um, that I've read. But I want to ask you what, I know that we heard what motivated you to write the book. Of course, your sister um, being diagnosed with breast cancer. Why did you choose to make it fictional, and what what's the background, or what was decision making for the title Backstreet? The happy. Okay. 
Okay, now, now the, the, the reason I chose to make it fictional is because of the target audience that I'm trying to reach. I am trying to reach uh, young African-American females as well as young African-American males. So, I mean, so people absorb information in different ways. Uh, they can read pamphlets. They can watch infomercials. They can talk to their physicians. They can um, they can probably do research on the Internet. So I said, well, hey, why not just write an interesting novel to grab their attention yet have some messages that are embedded in the novel. So I just wanted to provide another channel which to provide information about early detection of diseases. And I thought maybe doing it in a novel would capture a certain audience, capture their attention, while also in parallel I can deliver a message. And as far as the as far as the title, that's three to happy. Uh, you know, many people want to take the mainstream, want to take the the conventional road to happiness. They want to take the well traveled road. But guess what? There are so many ways, so many avenues for a person to really discover their happiness. I mean, you don't have to. Uh, travel the conventional path. You have to find yourself, find your values, find your morals, what's important to you, and you have to parallel your life accordingly. So you have to sometimes uh, go through uh, experiences, uh, dreadful, uh, hurtful experiences, but however, you can always have faith and go the back way in order to find your happiness. Okay. Well, I mean, what about the people who are afraid to go to the doctors and, and get these checkups? I know you mentioned uh, that briefly when you first came on, but th- that seems to be a common thing. Uh, I know my grandfather, I don't know if he was afraid of going to the doctor or he just didn't go, um, you know, or whatever his reasons were. I know that um, he passed away, um, and I remember one of my uncles telling me that, you know, things would have been different had he gone uh, to the doctor and got his, you know, annual physicals and things like that. How important are those things? And what do you say to the people who are afraid um, of what they are going to find out? Well, well you, you know what, I, I think it's a couple of things. I, I think it's a... It's a perception in the African-American community that, hey, all they, all they have to do is have my Bible and pray to God, and God is going to heal all the sicknesses in me. He's going to take care of me, what have you. But guess what? God bless those who take care of themselves. I mean, God has blessed us to have talented uh, physicians, and doctors that are able to treat and able to really, in some cases, even cure many of our diseases. So I, I think it's just a, a stigma, it's a perception in the black community that, number one, they're going to rely on faith, 
instead of going to a doctor. Number two, uh, in the past, many of them could not afford uh, the proper health care. And then number three, many of those, another harmful uh, perception is that whenever you do go to a physician, they will make you more ill than what you were before you walked into the doctor's office or the hospital. So it, it's just a lot of dangerous perceptions in our community that we should address and we need to educate people better. Okay. okay. Um, uh, we still have some people on the line, Tony. You want to see if they uh, – uh, I see that Bo is still out here. You want to bring Bo back in just to see if, if he has a question or comment? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. And I know I think I took him out as we were trying to get there, so I apologize if we did, but I did take him out. And it's not oh, a not problem. Bo, you're back in here, man. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Any um any in any comments or questions on um uh breast cancer, uh, any any sicknesses, any diseases, um things that uh that people can do, things uh, any reasons why you think that people avoid um getting checkups and things like that? Uh, I think it's basically because they don't want to hear any bad news, you know. Um a lot of people are, are like that. You know what I mean? uh, they don't want to go to the doctor or to the hospital because they fear hearing bad news. I'm a firm believer that if I know something about it, then I can fight it. You understand what I'm saying? I want to know. I not want to because if you don't know, then there ain't nothing you can do about it. You know? Um, okay. so I believe that people don't do that because they don't want to hear the bad news. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it probably, it, they probably feel like it would alter uh, their whole life. Okay. Okay. Right, right. Gary, this is Rodney. Right. What, what impact um, do you think that it has on, I know you said your your um, this all started, um, you know, because of your sister. And can you talk about the, the impact um of relationships on people going uh, to the doctor. I think sometimes the people might feel the worst because, you know, they have a great relationship uh, with a loved one or with their spouse or with their children, and they don't want to find out that that may be in jeopardy because of a sickness or a disease. Yeah, right, right, because, I mean, when, when one person becomes ill, I mean, it has a – impact on all of the loved ones. You know, they has a huge impact on uh, their family, their extended family, and what have you. So, of course, they, they don't want to be the bearer of bad news and, and make everyone else depressed or make everyone else sad and what have you. So, so many people, and again, many people uh, want to suffer these diseases in private. I mean, many people think think that it, it, it's a shame. Think that it's uh, disdaining. Think uh, they think it is embarrassing uh, to really share their sicknesses with others. They are sort of embarrassed, you know, and they are reluctant to just go out 
and really open up and share what they're going through with other people because uh, personally they are just embarrassed and, and and they think that, you know, other people would just look at them and say, hey, what well, is happening to you because you were doing this or you were doing that or you were living a sinful life or what have you. So many people just really suffer in private until it's too late, until, you know, they have to be admitted to the hospital for urgent care or they have to have, uh, a, uh, they are admitted to the uh, ICU or what have you. So many times they don't divulge their illnesses until it's way too late. And, you know, and it's sort of sad because, they sort of missed out on the support and the love that they could have been receiving earnestly from many of their loved ones. Okay. Uh, and again, right. for those who are listening to the show, if you have a question or comment uh, for Mr. Gary Jefferson, please press the number one if you're listening by phone. Uh, we are also taking comments and questions out of the chat room. If you're in the chat room or listening online, uh, please know that it's uh, in order for you to post anything in the chat room, you do have to become a registered follower. Um, it is not that difficult. Um, just follow the instructions online, and we'll be able to get your questions and comments and read them out over the air. Um, and also, please know that we don't uh, give out anyone's um, identification on the on the air. Um, that is solely up to you uh, whether or not you want to announce um, who you are. Um, so thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, we have Mr. Gary Jefferson um, on the line with us. Um, okay, you guys, y'all too serious right now because I read the book, and so <laughs> I, have some books, <laughs> I have some questions related to the book without giving too much away. I want to know a couple of things. Who Who is your favorite character in the book and why? Well, well, you you know what, that that is a very interesting uh, question, Tammy. Now, uh, my my favorite character was Tori. Uh, My favorite character in the book was Tori. I I thought Tori was, uh, even though she was from a wealthy, privileged background, I thought she was sort of down to earth. I thought she was uh, sort of uh, natural. Uh, genuine, and just really a, a dynamic person. And I really appreciate her because I saw her grow throughout the novel. You know, she was a, a little bit apprehensive towards making relationships, what have you. And I, I really saw her so, sort of overcome some of her weaknesses and sort of embrace new relationships. Now, that was my favorite person, but uh, surprisingly, 90% of my fans just love Legina. I mean, uh, I have first ladies of churches uh, that would tap me on the shoulder. I have men of my female friends that would whisper in my ear. I have just many fans, you know, who have read my book, would just pull me aside, and they would say, you know what? I am Legina, <laughs> you know, so it's sort of caught me by surprise. I, I didn't know she was just going to uh, peak and just going to 
develop such a, a following like she did? You know, I think it's because the nature of, of Legina just has this, and I, and I think because of what she was going through and how she handled it as well. I know I, I sent you a message that said, I'm playing, you know, I'm going to audition for the role of Legina when you have this on, on the big screen. And Tori, I could see where people could relate to Tori because she is at ev- she is every woman. She she goes through the ups and downs of the relationship. And so I, I agree with you about the growing um Again, people, it's, it's my first fictional, so maybe I'm on this hype because it is, and I get to, like, read a movie rather than watch it, which is kind of good for me because I'm not doing so much TV anymore. So it was really good. I do have a question about the no excuses and the no alibis as well. But before we get there, there were some things that, well, I'll say one, that, that stood out. Well, let me give you two, if you don't mind. And I want to know okay. if this is or is, is this something that you kind of threw in the book um, because you can and because it's fictional? There was, um, let's see, Susie, I think it was. Um, it not Susie. Yes, yeah, Su- Su- is it Susie that was in love, kind of like Ziggy? But there was something yes, that yes. Jenny said to her in the book about um, New Orleans, um, and then there was some feelings that she had about the tradition, I guess kind of the African-American tradition, even though she was lived here, I think born here as well in the States. But there there was some, some, some mention in the book about her feeling some kind of way about the culture of Americans. Was that... Right, right, right. Right, right. And it's very interesting that you brought that up because... Uh, even though she was born in America, uh, even though she grew up in America, uh, she she sort of felt like a mm-hmm. foreigner uh, because she felt like a foreigner because she she tried to acclimate to the African American uh, lifestyle, the African American way of life, the uh, way African Americans entertain themselves and. She, she was having a, a, a lot of difficulties, and I see I, I, I that to really just really display and really just highlight how diverse our African American community is. You know that you know even though we we, we do have uh, similar the same leaders, Dr. King and um, President Obama, what have you. There is a really a lot of diversity within the African American community. So you know, and we are really becoming more and more diverse as we um, as we gain economic uh, opportunities, what have you. So I, I, I sort of did that, Tammy, to really highlight that solutions that we have to prescribe uh, now and in the future. They're, they're, they're going to have to be a little bit more complex uh, and comprehensive than they were in the past because okay. we, we are now a really diverse group of people uh, living just sort of different type of lifestyles within this African-American umbrella. So solutions now, we have to be a little bit more complex and comprehensive in nature because now, of course, we have lots of African Americans now who are Republicans, 
Uh, we have a lot of African Americans now who are unfortunately becoming atheists. So we we are a much more diverse group of people than what we were in the past. Okay, okay, and that's why I asked that. I wanted to know was that was, I, I kind of felt like that came from some place, like like a fictional. But I think you you did a great job in making bringing some real life into it to where some some of the reader, readers may think, wow, um, why does she why does this character feels this way, even though she she was born here and has lived here, but she found such such struggles with trying to identify or or found some things kind of difficult to deal with. Now this brings me to right. New Orleans. You you said what Regina had constantly told uh, Susie that the that the black people in New Orleans were unique. Again, I want I, I wondered was that kind of real life stuff. Uh, just kind of pulling from real life or all fictional? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that is real life. I, 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 I think if you were to identify some really unique African-American cultures within the uh, continuous, um, uh, within the U.S., you know, I, I think New Orleans would be, you know, in, in the top five. You know, mm-hmm. New Orleans definitely has a, a very rich, uh, unique uh, type of uh, African-American culture. Uh, so does, I, I would say, so does Memphis, Tennessee has a very unique, rich uh, uh, African-American culture. Washington, D.C. has one that is unique. So, yeah, so, uh, uh, again, I, I just wanted to highlight that you know, we are just becoming a, a really diverse group of people. Even though we, we all have, like I said, similar heroes, we all have similar goals, we we all go through similar problems and similar struggles in life, uh, we, we're becoming very, very diverse. So, you know, uh, especially with, in politics, you know, I I have a, a lots of friends uh, who are Republicans, you know, and I, I have to respect that. Even though you know I am a diehard Democrat, but I just have to re- respect that diversity within the African American community. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's interesting. What I thought about Rodney when he said that the, uh, there are a great number of African American Republicans, it made me think about the show that we did. Um, on politics, um, mm-hmm. there are a great number of people, um, African Americans, who are are Republican and and have some solid reasons for being so. So that made me think about that. But this book, my last question, because um, again, we want people to read it, and and you guys, I'm 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 a stickler for books, but at the same time, I'm very picky as to what I read. And this this has just been a pleasure to read. It is it is something that I, I would say for males as well, but women you would absolutely love it. You would it, it touches on every woman, and and practically about every situation, you will find yourself um, kind of just falling into. It. Now that you mentioned Tori, I'm gonna have to just kind of think about that because I do like just the just. The real girl that she was, just, just real life, 
but seemingly very pleasant in spirit. Just, just, just really right, right, right. Um, but, 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 you, right. You tag that to the to the book, and and again, the back street to happy. You and I had this discussion, and I'm with you on the back street because I think when the show is about transformation, it's about change, that personal change. And in my opinion, when you're going to that or through that deep to that deeper level in order to go through that level and come out, my my opinion in that is you almost always have to go the back street. You have to come out sometimes. And as you think about your sister, what she's going through when you say no excuses, no alibis, I think what you're saying, in my opinion, is what I got out of this is people are we have no excuses not to do to live our lives, basically, to live, get up every day and live a purposeful life with passion, um, doing God's will, finding out what makes you happy. We have no excuse because tomorrow is not promised. Today is not promised. And so when you, when I see that, that street to happy says so much, but then when you when you tag it with no excuses and no alibis, where did right. us where that comes from, I guess, and what is, is is Legina the person, the main person that you feel did not let excuses or allies get in the way in this book? Well, well, you you, you know what, the, the, really, Tammy, the 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 no excuses, the no alibis. I I didn't want this book. You know, some, sometimes as an author, you you even though it's fiction, you just have so much on your chest. That you want to get out so many different messages, you just want to. Once you grab people's attention, you just want to deliver so many different messages and what have you. So the no excuses, the no alibis was really that was tagging our President Obama's initiative that he kicked off uh, last year that, you know, he wants primarily African-American men to step up to the plate, and he doesn't, we need to be our brother's keepers, and we need to take uh, our responsibility for the family. We need to develop uh, our uh, our uh, so- social morals that will help enhance our community. We need to become the head of our household. We need to be strong. We need to be role models, and we need to stop really going out there and making multiple families and not being a father to end up them. So the no excuses, no alibis was really tagging along with Earl Kyler. So that 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 was sort of tagging with him uh, because he he was he was sort of faced with. Uh, his own convictions. I mean, he 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 preached a good sermon. He 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 talked some great talk. He made some great speeches and throughout the novel. But he, his values and his morals were not aligned with uh, his preaching, and they were not aligned with what he was telling his friends and telling his colleagues. So in essence. He was a hypocrite. So the no excuses, no alibis is, hey, black man, hey, we need to we need to take the role. We need to be the role models. We need to be the head of the household. We need to be the father. 
uh, to our children, and we needed to stop making excuses about, oh, this is a racist society. Oh, I, I didn't have a chance that this guy had, oh, uh, I had to take care of my family at a young age. Oh, I grew up in a ghetto. I didn't have too many opportunities. Well, all of us have adversity. And so we we just need to overcome those adversities. Every ethnic group has some type of adversity. It not, may not be the same as what we experience in the African-American community, but everyone has adversities and everyone has obstacles. So the no excuses, no alibis was, hey, hey, get over it, uh, learn from it, and really be reach the potential that God has set for you. Uh, I'm just enjoying this conversation. I, I'm, I have to get this book because <laughs> you have uh, both of you have just made it very interesting. So I, I, I just got to get this book. So uh, thank you, you so much for, for for sharing all of this. I'm about it. I know Tammy uh, kept cutting you off. Didn't want to give you. Didn't want you to give out too much information, but it's okay. I am going to read this book, and I encourage those of you listening to the show tonight to go out and, and, and read this book for sure. Right, uh, right. We do have right. a caller on the line. Um, it's uh, it's Greg. Um, I don't know if he has a question or a comment. I know we lost him, and then he pressed the number one. So, Greg, uh, if, you're, if you're there, go ahead and uh, answer your question or make a comment. Uh, hello? Okay. Why, 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 why Greg, and again, I, I don't want to give uh, too much away about the book, like Tammy said, but I, 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 I just have to say this. So one of my deepest passions in this book, and I had to really, um, I, I had to be careful how I uh, expressed it. I had to be careful how I articulated it, but one of the strong passions that I brought out through my character in a collar was that, you know, it's it, it just uh, very sad and very uh, discouraging to me that we place uh, some of our um, some, some of our rappers, some of our singers on a pedestal when they are delivering lyrics that are just detrimental and just destructive to our community. Okay. You know, and Tim, if you remember Earl Tyler, he sort of made a long speech about this. And that that was actually me speaking through him. That that is that is just one of my pet peeves. I mean, I just think it it is just so sad and just I, I think sometimes we are our our own worst enemy. I mean, here we are putting, uh, and I'm not going to call the names of the rappers, what have you, but we're just putting them on a pedestal. We are just paying all this money to go to their concert. We are just um, uh, making them prominent people in our culture. When they are making songs, lyrics about killing one another, about just uh, uh, disrespecting women, about hustling, 
against other African-American people, about falling in love with a thug. Uh, I don't want anybody unless he's a thug. And I mean, I, I think that's sad. I mean, I, how can, I how can men connect, um, Gary? How can men connect to make change? Say what now? How Say how what? can men um, get connected in order to in order to uh, make change? Well, 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 well. One thing I, I'm glad you asked that. One thing we 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 have to stop glorifying and giving doubt and giving respect and giving props to the brother that goes out and has five or, five or six different women. You know, player, player. Uh, uh, oh, you're a player, player, all that stuff. I mean, we, we have to really just get rid of that in our community. We, we need to respect the man who is working at McDonald's, driving a, 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 a company, what have you, earning a, a decent, legal, fair wage and trying to make it. That's who we need to start respecting. Instead of respecting this flashy guy who has three or four women, uh, player, player, he's a woman's man, oh, he's a playboy, he's a thug, I want a thug. I mean, we just have to stop glorifying those type of people, the, that, that type of behavior. I mean, we, we just have to stop it and we have to stop we have to start glorifying the behaviors of the brothers out there who are really trying to make it do it legally, overcome their adversities and really trying to become a real role model in our community. Uh okay. you know and, and, right, right. And, and we see it everywhere. Uh even in in the churches, you know, you have the preachers and I'm not against anyone living a, a lofty, uh, anyone living um, a, a, a blessed lifestyle, or anyone enjoying, you know, the the, the riches of uh, their labor, what have you. You know, I, I'm not against that. I, I think God wants us to succeed, and He wants us to be happy. But we we we, we just need to step back as a race of people. And, and really just stop worshiping, glorifying these people who are just uh, uh, living these just lavish type of lifestyles with no type of morals, uh, no type of values. Uh, they're not doing anything uh, constructive towards the communities or nothing. But yet those are the ones that receive uh, lots of airplay, those are the ones that are the topics of our conversations. Those are the ones that we really adore. And I, I think we, we just need to change that. Okay. You know, this is, well, okay. I'm so glad you asked that question. This is Tammy, and I want to, I, I want to before, because it's 950, I want to, a couple of things, and I'm going back to our word. Um, what you said is, is, is certainly on target. And we also have to realize, we, we, we talk about the Word of God, we talk about God, but it's like we want to um, dismiss or minimize what this Word tells us. And in my opinion, there is such an attack on men today, and has, and has been for a while, but there is such an attack on men. Why? Because 
is if you're taken down, we're surely going to follow. Our children are going to follow, meaning that we're going to be taken down almost automatically. And and we don't, I'm going to read this scripture. I actually want to read two, and I'll try to be very brief here. But it's one in particular that I have, towards the end of the year, I really started just, right now I had this conversation, I just really started digging really deep in my in my word and my mm-hmm. prayer life and all of that. And Ephesians 6, 12, I want to read that because I don't read this. I don't, I, we do not uh, tap into our word enough and really understand the need and the power of prayer. And I feel like we have lost our way spiritually, number one. And we are not conformed to the world. We are addicted to the world. The word does tell us if you, anyone who wants to be friends with the world, makes themselves an enemy with God. So we have to really ask that question, where are we? Are we part of this world? Are we conformed to this world? Are we addicted to this world? But Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers. And I want you guys to really get that. Against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that struck out. I've read that verse so many times in my lifetime. But this particular study took me to the place where it says against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. One version even says heavenly places. So I started to wonder, okay, many of us remain in darkness anyway. We live a life full of darkness in spite of our spiritual walk. We live a life of, of anger. We can go right back to the domestic violence. We can go right back to what Gary just touched on about maybe why some of the reasons men choose, and it's not just men, I'm just talking about men because we're talking about leading men, why men choose to be that player player, why they feel the need to be, what's lacking, what's so, what's so great about being that player player, what's so great about having children all over, Everywhere. What's so great about having to run to homes? What's so great about having to see your child once a year? Because you're in a. What, what's so great about that? What's so great until you feel like you don't have to make a change? What's so great about that world until you don't see that you have to make a change? What's so great about right. that? Right. We get to look at the darkness of it, and the word also tells us because the darkness is being passed away. Not that, and it also says the true light is already shining. So that, that to me says that my light is within. It's there. It's just I have covered and just brought so much darkness into my life so I can't even see that light. But where am I in Ephesians 6 and 8? I'm in that dark place where the rulers already win. They already win. Where Tim, Tim, I actually had, and not to change the scope of, this program because we we are talking about leaving men, but you know with uh, usually you know behind every man is a woman, and I, I don't want to get off the subject, but since you sort of touched on it, I, I just want to ask you or the audience, well, what what really uh, just um, interests uh, motivates a woman? To go out there and date this player, player, this uh, this uh, playboy, player, player, when 
already know his behavior. They already know uh, what he has done to other women. So what, what motivates the woman to go out there and just date him and, and foster a child from him anyway? Well, offline, and I ask any woman out there who's listening can, can join in, and it's 9.55, and we'll try not to go over, but if you're listening online and you want to stay with us in the event that we do go over, if you're listening online in any capacity, Facebook or the chat, chat line, you might want to go ahead and call in at 818-691-7406. Again, 818-691-7406. I'd actually love for some women to get in on this. My my answer to this is just as I said that there men are the attack is on men and if you if if you guys I'm gonna speak um, well I'll say it properly if you guys are taken out there is no us really there is no children and I think women are so broken from that lack of father figure that lack of love. Until any man is acceptable, because again, when you're so when you're when you're hungry, when you're really hungry, anything tastes good. Anything will 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 feed that need right then. And that's, in my opinion, we're so disconnected from self, and there's such a longing for the way that God intended it to be. That structure that is needed even for a woman to feel, feel validated, to feel honored, to feel loved, to feel whatever it is, all that stuff, all that validation is missing from the top to the bottom, from the very mm. bottom. And so, again, when you're hungry, whatever kind of food shows up, hey, I'm going to I'm have to like this today. And then society right, right. keeps on this other stuff about, this male ratio and all of this, you know, there's so much. So, in my opinion, it's just it's it's, it's lack of lack of self love, uh, self worth, all of that, and some more. Well, I think you make some good points, Tammy, and, uh, and, and this is Rodney, and that that's what what I was going to touch on. I was gonna I was gonna touch on the on the foundational things, but since you did, I'm I'm gonna say this. Um, the, these players or the or, or these thugs or these quote no uh, no good men, they are the way that they are because they are allowed to be. If they were forced to be something different, if women stopped falling all over them, if we if we turned off of ratchet TV, I heard uh, Gary say, you know, you know we you know promote these things, you know. We need to stop giving the media power. We need to stop giving these uh, TV stations, these radio stations, we need to stop giving them ammunition to keep feeding us poison. The way we do that is turn the TV off or turn the TV to something that's going to help you if you can find something on the TV that's going to help you. But we have to get away from... uh, from falling all over these people, and the way that you do that, find productive things to be a part of. Set some goals for yourself and go after your goals because I can tell you uh, from personal experience, people ask me how is it that I can stay as busy as I am. Like, I guess they're looking for the entertainment in my life. 
But for me, I don't need a whole lot of entertainment. I'm okay with my life the way it is. I'm a school teacher. That that's a lot of time right there. But I'm a school teacher. I'm getting ready to uh, to go back to school. Um, Camaria, uh, my girlfriend, is a is, is a big part of my life, and I and I spend um, you know as much time um, with her as I can because both of us are busy. But we spend um, as much time as we can. We try to um, you know spend time with each other. So those are the things that I spend my time doing, and I can tell you that because of my job, because of going back to school, because of um, because of my relationship with Tamaria, I don't have a whole lot of time for foolishness. So if I turn on the TV, it's usually I'm just watching a game maybe um, or I'm looking at some old sitcom, but I don't have a lot of time for foolishness. And so I found that by keeping myself busy, by setting those, by having a first purpose because there's some things that I want to do that I'm able to get away uh, from the, the the nonsense of the world. And I would suggest that to any male or female that you don't have to get caught up in things. And the, the more downtime you have when you're not being productive, that's how you get caught up into things that you really don't need to get caught up in. Yeah. I, I agree. Right, um, right. I agree, I agree totally. And again, I just I, I say you guys, all of you leading men, I pray that at the end of this series that there's a powerful movement because not only do we have to change um what what we look at, but even what we're around. So I challenge men to call men out. I, I mentioned Dedrick Golden who's who's running uh for me planning to run from there here, and it's many things that I remember him saying, but one thing I remember the most is he says, I don't hang out with guys who don't spend time with their children. If you call me and you want right. to go shoot ball, I know you're not hanging out, I tell you, yeah, let's go shoot ball. Go get, go get your kids. Let's all go shoot ball. Right. So stop, stop, putting, stop letting things go just because this is the way it is. Because, again, that is conforming to the patterns of this world. And if you are allowing somebody, if you are condoling, condoling someone to, to be a fatherless father or a motherless mother, hey, doesn't make you any better. We're all responsible to hold people accountable because we're losing more than we ever can imagine. And that's what being leading men, we'll get on our women when that time comes because we are, we are not, um, we're not saints in this, in this part of the world. So we'll get there, but but that is what being, in my opinion, a leading man, and I kept expressing that it doesn't mean you have to be a CEO driving a Benz, making six figures. You can be a father working at McDonald's, holding your family down, respecting your wife, loving your wife, running that household, changing the atmosphere just by walking in, holding things down, knowing that you are the head. Not my fault. You are the head. And whatever it is, I can support, but you got somebody to go to. And that's 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 God. And and other men. And it, it was it's just designed that way. And so it's about getting men back in front. So there are a lot of women just like me who are just tired. Who are just simply tired of having to play both ends of the court. One of them are mm. gonna say, some a whole lot of people. Our children are going to fail. 
there's going to be some, some unnecessary failing. It's going to be some failing anyway. But when it's out of order, look what we have. Look at our kids. Look at the divorce rate. Look at the look how we just don't value people don't value life. Period anymore. Period. Mm-hmm. Old life, young mm-hmm. life. Period. Mm-hmm. So I mean, here, uh, Gary, you might have heard about this, and I didn't catch all the details, but some, uh, I guess a father. I guess beat a child. Some I don't know. I might have the father part wrong. Just again, I just kind of caught the end of it. Be over because the child ate all of the cheesecake or something. Seriously, an elderly child at home and attack people. There's no value to life because you know why? Because they don't value their own lives. Right, and I agree with both of you that. Uh, we have to, to change the culture. I mean, we have to start um, admiring and and giving uh, uh, giving really attention, uh, admiring men who have set goals, men who are who are accomplishing their goals, uh, no matter what hierarchy they are employed at, no matter if. They work at a McDonald's or a teacher or whether they're a billionaire, you know, we should respect them at all levels if they are being a true role model to the kids, being a devoted father to the family, and really um, being an inspiration to the other men around them. So, I mean, we, we just have to change the culture. I mean, we... We just have gotten caught up in this culture where we're just uh, giving accolades to the men who are really destroying our African-American community. Right. Well, we want to thank you. I know, and and please give out. We we thank you, callers, you guys. I mean, we had so many callers tonight. You're still listening. So, right, I appreciate it. So uh, go to my website, street dot com. Order the book. Uh, you can uh, send me an email at uh, it's name of my book, Backstreet Too Happy at gmail dot com. So you can contact me uh, by the name of my book, mm-hmm. Backstreet Too Happy at gmail dot com. You can order the book, and I don't want to confuse people at happybackstreet.com or amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. But um, I am, uh, I was excited to be on the show. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, I look forward to working with you all on some um, other projects that I know are going to come out throughout the year. So uh, we will stay in touch, and God bless you, and thank you so much for sharing this evening with me. Thank you so much. Great book, you guys. Get it and read it. Um, great book. Guys, buy it as a gift for your for your lovely um, the lovely woman woman in your life. Almost <laughs> 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 there, women. <laughs> Ah, uh, see, you about, you about to kill the whole show, Tammy. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, see, see, you got caught up in that torture. 
Yeah, that's that change mindset. See, I caught myself. You know, I helped. I got it. Well, you you know what? Well, I you're transforming. That's right. That's looking. right. Hey, it, it, it doesn't matter where we where it doesn't matter where we are coming from. What matters is where we are going. That's right. Look for my That's lead. right. But, <laughs> but thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Okay, then. All right. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Rodney, back to you. We want to thank everyone. Um, Again, I know that I I was just um, very excited to see so many people tune in to tonight's show. It was a blessing for me. Hopefully you all were able to take something from the show. Hopefully uh, you're able to get those numbers down uh, just in case you need help with domestic violence. I know a lot of times uh, we don't want to talk about things like that, Um, but if you're someone who um, has gone through that or is going through that and needs some assistance, there was a lot of information given out on tonight's show. Uh, We also would like for you to uh, check out Gary's book, And, again, if you need that information, all you have to do is uh, click on the link for the archive show, and it is all there available for you. You can also find Tammy, myself, Gary, or Gregory on Facebook. We want to say thank you. I'll give out that number one more time since we have quite a number of people still out with us. I want to give that number out again. And, people, please write it down because keep it in your wallet. You never know. There's a number of things that you could get through that. It's not just for domestic violence. It's for, you know, other crimes as well. And if they're not the person, they'll get you there. So that number is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. And that's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Don't forget about the conference coming here Walking in Her Shoes, April 18th. If you can't be here, like I said, volunteer and purchase a shirt. That's that's helping in some way. All right. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> You're fine. Um, we want to say thank you again to our to our special guests for tonight, uh, Gregory um, and Gary. Uh, it is so nice and powerful, just powerful to to be connected to or see men in action, see men uh, walking the walk instead of just talking the talk. So we're grateful for that. We want to say thank you to all of the men out there who are doing what they are supposed to do and not what is expected of them. We hope that you'll come back next week because we're still honoring uh, leading men, and we have another great show lined up for you next week. So please come back same time next week. Again, this is Rodney and Tammy, and we hope that you will have a blessed week and remember something that you learned on tonight's show. This is Tammy's cousin Diane's uh, favorite song. Good night, everyone.